Bit of a change of plan, guys. You can grab a seat if you want. Mate. <laughs> we thought we'd mix it up a bit for Easter. I think the guys thought we might be singing some more songs. Um, well, I, I really love holidays. Um, and I love that feeling you get when you know they're just around the corner. Now we're kind of just at the tail end of our Easter break, so some of you are a bit sad. But I love that feeling because, you know, maybe, you, you know, that your boss is telling you off, you know, and uh, the work is growing to, like, astronomical proportions around you. And uh, you've got some deadlines that are coming up, but it's like, I'm going on holidays. So all the kind of, all the stress levels kind of just dive down again, just because you've got holidays. Maybe you're, someone's like yelling at you, your boss is like telling you you're late. You know, they're going, you've got to get here on time. You know, you've got to, you keep showing up late. And the mouth is going and it's like, you've just got to, if you don't keep, if you start, if you keep coming late, I'm going to have to lay you off. And you, you're looking at them and they're like going yada, yada, yada and the mouth is going and, and they start to, you start imagining it's actually a fish talking to you because like you're going to the Great Barrier Reef you're looking forward to going snorkeling or something like that. It doesn't matter what they're kind of doing. It's like, oh, you're a pretty little fish, pretty little colourful fish. It's like I'm going on holidays. It doesn't matter what you do because it's like future holidays sometimes can give us this hope Give us this hope that's like, um, you know, makes life bearable right now. Um, holidays, a future hope. And maybe, maybe you could think of other things that happen in your life that are just kind of like that. They're like a future hope, something that's going to happen. You're going to receive something and it's like it just makes life good now. Do you know that feeling? You know, can you actually, is there something? You know, some of us, it might be a while since we had holidays or had that kind of feeling of hope, but of knowing that something, is, something so brilliant is just around the corner and it kind of just reshapes our perspective on life. You know, what is it for you, I ask now? Like, what is it for you that, uh, that when life gets uh, tough or, or boring or hard or painful, you know, what is it that gives you that hope that you kind of can look forward to? Gives you that new perspective. Have you got anything? Have you got anything, I wonder? And uh, let's push it a little further. What about something with, a, with lasting hope? Like something that doesn't kind of just satisfy for a, for a moment. Because let's face it, as soon as your holidays start, it's like Star Trek, if you watch that, I don't. Anyway, um, it's like, snap, time warp, it's Sunday, I've got to go to work tomorrow. You know, if you ever get that feeling, as your holidays get there, you've been looking, up, looking forward to them for so long, and they're like over, and you're back into work again. Is there something that can give us lasting hope, like something in the future, lasting hope for now? Could what we celebrate at Easter be for us? A lasting hope. Could it really? It's interesting because Jesus is referred to as being hope of the world. But I want, I want you to try and imagine being in the shoes 
of those people who were following Jesus like 2,000 years ago. Imagine it, a walking in their shoes with Jesus. Because there was a, a massive build-up by Jesus himself as to who he was, what he professed about himself as being the son of God. The one who had come down from heaven, walked this earth, and who had promised life and promised reuniting between people and this amazing God. He promised all these things. The state of mind of these disciples of Christ at the time must have been, you little ripper, who were found here? And then he gets slaughtered on the cross. Celebrated by Good Friday every year, just what we've had on Friday. Slaughtered on the cross, buried in a tomb. The build-up of so much expectation and then the complete shattering of reality for those who had given their lives, who had left like occupations, left lifestyles to follow Jesus. Their futures were set up in following Jesus. They had uh, marked, lives, marked their lives out before them. They were going to daily fellowship with Jesus, the Son of God, and live completely for him. Everything was going to be all right. And then, and then, they're gutted. This Jesus, who claims so much, taken captives by Roman guards, humans of all sorts, and then murdered. Surely if Jesus was who he said he was, no mere human power like the Romans should be able to do such a thing. They're gutted. They're confused. We've got to try and understand where these guys would have been. Jesus has been murdered. He's dead. What's going on? It's like they've been standing on what they thought was a rock and was really rug, and someone pulled that out, and they've been flipped up in the air, and they've just landed on their backs, and they are winded. Life is ground to a halt. They must have been thinking, Jesus, hope of the world? I don't think so. If you've got your Bibles, um, we're going to look at a passage from John chapter 20. John chapter 20. You can leave this open. We'll kind of track through it, through the message. From verse 1. I might just pray first as well before we look at God's word here. Let's bow our heads. Father God, um, uh, we love you, God, and we come here tonight and we want to know what it means for you to die on the cross. And we want to just understand the other stuff that goes on. And uh, Lord, as people who have known you for a long time, as people who have just started knowing you, as people who do not yet know you, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds, that we would just know you deeper, be drawn closer to you, and uh, live, for, live more for the praise of your name. Open our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. They're gutted, right? They're very, very gutted. And this is what we read from verse 1 in the book of John, first, uh, chapter 20. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So Jesus is dead. He's in the tomb. 
buried dead. So she came running when she found it removed and came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been wrapped, uh, been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. This is like a, a horrific insight into the effects of the death of Christ, what, that, what his death had on one of his keen followers, of G, uh, keen followers, Mary Magdalene. So Mary's perspective, if you like, her emotions as she continues to adjust to the news that uh, Jesus is dead. So Mary, um, for those of you that don't, haven't met her in person or don't know much about her, she's first mentioned in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 8. And it says she was a woman who was healed by Jesus and from whom seven demons had been driven out. And after this happened, she followed Jesus around and helped um, support Jesus and the 12 disciples in their ministry. You know, as they travelled from town to town, she would follow and provide them with food and, and just look after their needs. Mary spent a great deal of time around Jesus and we could assume knew all about his claims, experienced them herself even, and saw and experienced his power and authority. And it's Mary, we read, going to the tomb where Jesus has been buried and she finds it open and empty. Jesus is dead. This is the reality for Mary Magdalene. Jesus is dead. So she finds the the tomb empty and then runs to tell Peter and the other disciple, John. Says they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Jesus is dead and someone's stolen the body out of the tomb. So Peter and John, they run. They run back with Mary to the tomb to check out her claims And they find it empty, just as she had said. Just some burial clothes lying where he was laid. Jesus is dead. Someone has taken him. Now for Mary, and I'm sure any of us in this kind of situation, this is the only believable, the only conceivable reason for why the tomb's empty. The body's not in the tomb. Therefore, someone must have taken it away. I mean, when someone dies, they are dead. That's it. They're gone. You know, you best start the grieving process and begin to move on through the pain because that's it. Science class at high school tells us that this is it. Life experience tells us that death is it. All the signposts about death that we read in life tells us that Death concludes the life cycle. When I was at uni, I studied science and I did many subjects that showed me all these kind of fun and crazy animals, you know, kind of 
insects and mammals and amphibians and reptiles and plants like trees, shrubs and mosses. And I really love moss. Have I ever told you that? Quirky, huh? Very weird. But for each of us, each living thing that you look at, it dies, lives and it dies. And we're told that death is a natural part of the life cycle. Here's some uh, trivia for you. The average lifespan of an indust- in an industrialised country of a human is between 75 and 85 years. That's 85 years, about 75, that's when you die. A dog, 20 years. It's not a bad life on our farm. They would get hit by a car in about two, I reckon. <laughs> Mice, they survive for four years on average. That's a, the average lifespan. I don't know what's like in a less developed country, but no. Asian elephant, 70 to 75 years, and then you die as an elephant. Killer whale, 50 to 70 years, and then you die. A hippopotamus, I bet you're thinking, what of the hippopotamus? You just wanted me to tell you. Between 40 and 50 years, and then you die. A rhino, 20 to 50 years, and then you die. So death is the final frontier for every living creature. If you're a mouse, get crack and enjoy life because you've only got four years. <laughs> Watch out for the cats and the mouse traps because you're going to die pretty quick anyway. But we know that death is natural. At least that's what we've been told. Everyone's going to die. Everyone in this room is going to die. That's, and that's it. That's what we've been told. Let's... Take a look at the next section from verse 10. What happened after they found the empty tomb? Verse 10, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and, two, and saw two angels in white seated there, uh, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. Now things are starting to get a little interesting, but Mary is beside herself in grief. Not only is she uh, grieving the death of Jesus Christ, but she's just now grieving the fact that someone's taken his body away. She's grieved to the point that she can't even recognise she's having a conversation with two angels. And the angels in in the Bible, in God's story of life, would tell us that Something amazing is about to happen or has just happened. And they say, woman, why are you crying? And she's so distraught because she thinks someone's taken the body away. And then we keep going. And this is just natural though, isn't it? It's like death is final. Death is it. She just can't perceive anything else. And then in verse 14, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. Death is final. Jesus is dead. Mary is only believing what anyone in their right mind would believe. Death is the end, but Jesus is now standing before her. 
This Jesus who everybody would say, you die and you stay dead, he is now alive. Jesus is now resurrected, brought back from the dead. And she thinks he's the gardener. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now this Mary must have launched herself upon Jesus, wrapping her arms around him because who was just dead and missing is now alive. Alive and she's holding on to him for dear life with great joy. And then it goes on and Jesus said, don't, don't hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he said uh, these things to her. Jesus is not dead. and Jesus is alive. Jesus is resurrected. Mary now sees and believes this is completely, this is completely out of, out of this world. It's hard to believe though, wouldn't you say? It's hard to believe that someone could rise from death. The funny thing is that everyone who believes or saw it or heard about it is trying to tell us that it really happened. A little further on in verse 30 and 31, it reads, um, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Hard to believe, but will we believe it? Do you, do you believe it? Here's written proof that Jesus actually did rise to life. Things written down to tell us. Now the proof, just briefly, it's amazing. And it does prove decisively that Jesus did rise from the dead. So if you're here tonight and you're just checking this out, this is some stuff for you to hear. The empty tomb, body gone, grave clothes lying just exactly as if the body had just been removed and the grave clothes just lying where they were. Now, maybe you could say it's been orchestrated. But then Jesus was seen alive. Jesus was seen alive by numerous people, Mary for one, and then uh, other disciples and many others as well. People actually saw Jesus after he had died. Now, we have to get our heads around this. And now, um, we might say that you're just the eyewitness people anyway, the eyewitnesses were, I reckon the, the, the way they responded can actually help kind of prove to us it's true. If you're still going, I'm not sure about the resurrection. Just, I reckon, the way the eyewitnesses wrote about what happened is, is amazing. So picture it. Um, Mary has gone to tell these, uh, you know, that Peter and John, they come back, check out the tomb, and then they go back and they start telling people about what's just gone on. They're, they're all, uh, the, the disciples and other people are gathered in this room in Jerusalem, and they're just hearing about this news, right? 
And then, this is what it reads in Luke. This is their response, and I reckon it just proves even more that the resurrection's amazing. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And their reaction, they were startled and frightened, thinking they'd saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now the first thing that might be intriguing to us is, what's broiled fish? (laughs) Maybe not. Just for those of you that are interested, it's like fried, not fried, sorry, grilled on an open direct fire. I was reading that going broiled. Every time I read it, I'm going, is it boiled or what is it? Anyway, that's probably not the point. Jesus appears to them and what makes it really authentic is the fact that the people, you know, eyewitnesses writing down what happened, the people that, you know, when they first saw Jesus, they didn't actually go, oh, yeah, cool. Like, hey, Jesus, nice resurrection body. Do you know what I mean? They weren't going like, cool, yeah, this is no worries, like, like whatever, Jesus just got resurrected. Do you know what I mean? Like, they didn't respond like that. They were just like downright scared, downright perplexed, amazed. They initially doubted. They didn't believe until he asked for some fish and then continued to talk to them for longer and the penny um, kind of began to drop, if you like. Hard to believe this Jesus rising to life, but the proof says it actually happened. Mary did good to believe. It would be good for us to believe as well. And let me just say that there's a point to this belief. There is a point, and it's not so much believing about the resurrection. It's not about believing about it. It's more about believing in, believing in Jesus, in Jesus who died and rose to life so that we can join him in being resurrected ourselves. Sorry? So that we can join Jesus in one day being resurrected. Now, I don't know, okay, how long have you come to church for? This is amazing. Resurrection from death, people. Most people believe that death is natural. Is death natural? Now, I don't want to be labelled as a lunatic quite so quickly, right? I know that everyone is going to eventually die. But is death natural? The life, the way life should end? I don't think so. So the, the intention of God is for his, for his creation was initially that death wasn't present at all. The presence of death in this world is like God's judgment on sinful humanity, God's right punishment 
for everybody who would choose to ignore God and show God no uh, appropriate honour and respect. So death is simply here because it's punishment for those who ignore God. It's, um, It's punishment for us. But the amazing thing is that Jesus, the Son of God, when he died on the cross, he was actually willingly offering himself for us. Offering that he would die instead of you. Now, everyone deserves to die, but Jesus, the Son of God, said, I'm taking the punishment on myself instead of you taking the punishment on yourself. Now, we most certainly, we've got to take hold of this truth, people. We've got to somehow appropriate it for ourselves. It's not enough to agree intellectually that Jesus died and rose. But we need to take hold of this truth for ourselves. And to do this, we must believe that when Jesus was on the cross dying, that was because of my sin. That was because of your sin. If there was no one else in the world, you'd have to be able to say that, you know, that's Jesus dying on the cross, that's for me. I put him there. No one else, he would still have to die for you. My sinning against God, my rejection of God deserves a punishment. But he says that through faith, if you just believe, if you personally believe that Jesus died for you, then you can have forgiveness. Then you can have life. You have life now and for all eternity. So death, death is not natural or nice or a part of the beautiful cycle of life that some people can just kind of believe it as being. It's more like the, the reminder that people have chosen to kind of go away from God. What's natural in the sense of God's desire is for people to have life both now and for all eternity with him. And Jesus' death and resurrection, it's like the way that if we believe it's for us, believe that he died for us, it's like the way um, you can recalibrate your life. It's the way you can flip it on the right side so that you, know, you can view things correctly. So the points of belief is that Jesus, here's the way you can be restored in relationship with God. So in John 3.16, we understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have eternal life. So through faith, through belief in Jesus, we're offered, we're offered eternal life. So the amazing thing is that for those who have faith in Jesus Christ, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, death is like the doorway. Death is the doorway we must travel to be with God for all eternity. And how can we be sure? Well, Jesus has gone before us. He's marked the way. He died, but then he rose. And he's gone to be with God in heaven. Death is not the end. Jesus is like the pioneer of our faith. He's the one that goes on before us and shows us and pioneers for us our way to be with God forever. 
He didn't stay dead. He was resurrected and exalted to the heavenly realms. And so God's not dead. Jesus isn't dead now. And when, he's, when you hear the words, you know, they're coming from Jesus now. God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that if you believe in him tonight, if you believe in him, you shall not perish but have eternal life. He's alive and resurrected. Will we believe in him and have life? Now, at the start of the message, I was asking us the question, is there something that could create for us a lasting sense of hope that could carry us through life when life is hard and painful and, you know, would it give us hope for all time? Is there something like that? And I believe that Jesus is that hope, that his resurrection is our hope. When Mary finally twigged, you know, Jesus says, well, don't hold on me, hold on to me. He says, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus is returning to his Father who he says is also Mary's Father. And we know he's also the Father of all who have faith in Jesus. And then Jesus is returning to his God who he says is also Mary's God. And one day, or he's also our God. And just like Jesus was returning to the Father, so one day will we resurrected and returning to be with God. So we know that if you have faith in Jesus, your relationship starts now, but will go on for all eternity. One day, without a doubt, with no uncertainty, we'll be with him. Do you see how amazing this is? What hope it should really give us right now. Because I know there's a great deal of uncertainty in our lives. Uncertainty even relating to the things that we long for as people. You know, we long for purpose. We long for just to be loved. We long for acceptance, for people just to accept us for who we are. We long for some kind of meaning, some kind of significance. We long for a future. But life is so uncertain. All these things we didn't even know in this life if we're going to receive them. It's like we're reaching around in the dark for some kind of purpose and hope and future and direction. Are we ever going to find that stuff? And then the presence of death comes in and just throws fear and uncertainty in our face all again. That's our reality, what we search for. And then into the picture comes Jesus and he says stuff like, you know, I'm the way, the truth and the life. If you want to have life, it's through Jesus. He says stuff like, he's God's son. That he's come to give people life now and forever. He says like, he gets a little band of people together and he says, now I want to give you a purpose, go and tell people about me. Go and tell people that they can have a relationship with a loving God, communicate this to every person on the face of the earth. There's a purpose for you. 
He tells them, pass it on. Tell people. Tell people that they can actually find forgiveness for all the bad stuff they've done. To enable them. Tell them that there's a way that they can pass through death, not go to hell and go to be eternity with a loving God. And then he died. And all the promises of hope could have died with him, but then he rose to life. And he went to be with God the Father. So everything he said, all the promises he pours out to us, they're all validated. They're all made true. What Jesus says is going to happen. You want purpose. You want significance. You want direction, love, acceptance, hope for a future. Here is God offering it to you in the name of Jesus Christ. You want a lasting hope because you're tired of the brevity of holidays. Then come to Jesus. All we need to do is put our faith in Jesus Christ to receive him and start living every aspect of our lives for him, for the praise of his name. I wonder tonight, do you believe in Jesus? Is your faith in Jesus? Do you have this resurrection hope, this hope that death is just like a doorway to heaven? Do you have that? Is that reshaping your life to the worries and the pains and the fears that you have now? Is it giving you a future hope like it should if we just really knew our future with Jesus? God is amazing. He's so loving and he's just offering this to us. We're going to have a, a little um, demonstration now about how faith in Jesus can just completely change your life, how resurrection of Jesus is your hope. I hope to get you through the, the grief of today. Be encouraged. Check it out.